We've been just talking about uh, letting the Holy Spirit do a reset in our life and help us so that we would be appropriately focused on uh, the things that, that, he, that, that God has built in us as values, the things that we value. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, I hope to talk a little bit uh, to, to families and a little bit about family, uh, some of the values that we have as families and marriage and raising children, some of those things. Just, just touch on some of those things. And it occurred to me that you might have um, a question or, or something that, that you would like to um, have a little more understanding about or whatever. And, uh, I, and I just wanted to make this available to you. I would like to make available to you an opportunity. I have not told my adult children this, but I'm t- I've told my wife, and that's good enough. Amen? Um, but if you have a question, you, most of you know the work that the Lord has done in, in our family and how the Lord has has uh, raised us up and, and strengthened us as a family. And if you have a question that you'd like to pose regarding marriage or family or raising children or anything like that, I want to give you the opportunity to email that to us or to text. Those of you that have my number uh, can just text me. Most everybody does. It's on the business card out there if you need it. Um, or email anthony at net, and you can you can send a question to us and we will endeavor. If you send a question to my wife, I will give her the opportunity to answer it. You send a question to one of my adult children, I will give them the opportunity to address uh, the answer to that question. Uh, if you send a question to one of the elders, I will put them on the spot and let them answer that question. Now, I, I, we, we, we want to speak into the life of this house in some practical ways. So I just wanted to kind of present that to you, and, and we will see how we can navigate those things over the next few weeks as we move through the month of February. And, uh, and, and just give you an opportunity. So you think about those things as we move forward uh, and as we, uh, as we uh, discuss and teach the word and endeavor to dig into the word together. So in allowing the Holy Spirit to uh, reset the compass of our life and to help us to, uh, to focus on uh, the things that, that are important to him and as he resets our direction and resets our perspective and lifts up. Uh, the, the Bible always teaches us that the Lord would actually elevate our vision. He would lift up our eyes. Some, sometimes we just walk around like, the, how, how many of y'all know somebody's just walk around, they're looking at their, they're checking out their shoes. It's not because they like their shoes. It's because their heart is heavy. The Lord would lift up your eyes Bible says, lift up your eyes to the hills from whence comes your help. So um, we ask you the question, are the things that, that I value, we want you to just contemplate, are the things that I value or should be valuing the driving force behind the decisions that I'm making in my life? Are those things affecting the way I make decisions in my life? Just as I told you about children's ministry this morning and the, one of the values that we have in teaching our children to worship is drives the decision that we will worship together with our children. So the, the things that, that you value that the Lord has established in your heart should drive the way you make decisions. Husbands, if you love your wife, and you love your family, then you're not looking for everywhere else to go at the end of the workday to avoid getting home. Oh, that, I just let that hang on the air for a minute. That just felt like that needed to just hang there for a minute. 
So with that in mind, let's continue. Uh, we were in uh, Matthew chapter 6 last week, and let's just continue with that uh, this morning as uh, we contemplate what uh, the Lord has said in that passage. Go ahead, turn my page. Thank you. Matthew chapter 6, in the latter portion of this, we, we, we looked at the first portion last week, but let's pick up in verse 32. Uh, as he talked about not worrying about what you're going to eat, not worrying about what you're going to wear, not worrying about where you're going to sleep, not worrying about how you're going to live, not worrying about, about the practical things of life, the Holy Spirit said to you as believers, don't worry about these things. And then he picks up here in verse 32 of Matthew chapter 6, and he says, after all these things, these are the things after which the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. And then he sets your priority for you. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But seek first... But this is the first thing for you, believers. The Gentiles, they spend their life, those who do not know God, spend their life contemplating and concerned with what I need. What are my needs? Is the rent going to be paid? Is, the, is there food going to be on the table? Is there gas going to be in the car? The, the, those who do not know God, those are the driving force behind their, the thought processes of their life. And so he says, for you believers, seek first the kingdom of God. Determine that the first thing that you're going to do is be in pursuit of Him. I wasn't supposed to preach. I was just supposed to read it. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, I'm a, I need to read this line maybe three times. We, we read it a couple times last week. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking a word to you. Therefore, do not worry. If ever there was a word that needed to go to the church in our generation, particularly the church in the United States in our generation, therefore, do not worry. I was listening to a gentleman yesterday. He was talking about all the prophecies that had gone out and all the things that had been said about what was going to happen in this nation politically. And, and much of it didn't happen in the timelines that, that we thought it should happen. And, and, and all of those things that would concern us as individuals and, and that would concern us in our prayer time and in our prayer life as we pray for our nation and all this. But the word of the Lord to you today is, Therefore, do not worry. First of all, God's not living inside your timeline anyway. The Lord was not deeply moved by who took the oath of office. He's not concerning himself with our timelines. There is a prophetic timeline that we are living on and we are in step with him. You need not worry. So anyway, that was... Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Isn't that an interesting statement? You can get up in the morning, and the things for tomorrow that there are to worry about will be there to worry about. Don't worry. Sufficient for the day is its, is its own trouble. You know what that's telling you? 
Why are you worrying about tomorrow's trouble today? Don't you have enough today on your plate? And you think you're worrying about what's going to happen in February and March and April? And you're destroying today worrying about tomorrow. Oh, let me prophesy that to you. You're destroying today worrying about your tomorrows. You are being robbed of your todays when the entire thought process of your day is your concern for tomorrow. You can turn that. Don't worry. So I want you to contrast in your mind for just a moment. I just want you to contrast the values, the value systems of those who follow God against those who do not. This is what, this is what the Word is doing for us. Your Heavenly Father... Your heavenly Father knows that you need to eat. Your heavenly Father knows that you need to be clothed. In fact, He designed the first outfit. If you look back at Scripture, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God and they realized that they were naked and suddenly naked was an issue, God clothed them. They made an utter failure of leaf <laughs> clothing. And he said, no, no, let me show you how this is done. And God clothed, clothed them. So your heavenly Father knows what you have need of. Somebody needs to write down in your, if you're taking notes, you need to write down a note to yourself. Note to self, my heavenly father knows what my needs are. If I understand the word correctly, and you can search this out and correct me if I'm wrong, those are not even things that we need to pray for. Scripture doesn't tell us to pray that we'll have enough to eat. Scripture doesn't tell us to pray that we'll have clothing or that we'll have a roof over our head. Now let, now let me help you with something. I understand if you, are, if you are in an economic situation right now where you are wondering if you're going to have the income to pay February's rent, I think you do need to sit before the Lord. But you need to sit before the Lord in a, from a position of trust. Not from a position of fear. Because your heavenly Father knows what you have need of. He knows that you need these things. And so he says to those of us, as he contrasts in this passage, the, the value system between believers and non-believers and between followers and those who do not follow God, he says, I want to remind you that the Heavenly Father knows exactly what you need. Quite regularly, I, I review in my mind and in my spirit that statement that, that the psalmist made, I have never seen the righteous forsaken and I've never seen his seed out begging bread. And then I see those who are in a place of struggle that profess, profess their faith in God, but yet they, they live uh, far beneath the expectation of what uh, uh, the, the life of, of blessing would, uh, would communicate. And so I have concluded in my mind that there are those who have received Jesus, but they have not yet learned to follow him. 
There is a different, you see the, the, help me Lord Jesus right here. The Bible says that the demons believe and they tremble. They're believers. And there is a different, this is why we make declaration every week. That, that, that I, can, I, I have what the word says I have. I can do what the word says I can do and so on. I, I will study the word and live according to it. Because there is a vast difference between knowing who God is and being a follower of God. And the Holy Spirit wants to shift your value system so that you are not just someone who is aware of God and you become someone who follows God. The Bible says the children of Israel, as they came into Egypt, uh, as they came up on that promised land, that they looked over in the land. They stood up in a high place and they looked over in the land and they saw that the land was good. And then they said, we can't achieve this. And there are many people in the earth who even ask Jesus to come into their heart and to forgive them of their sin and they hope that they have come to a place that they will somehow uh, come into eternity with God and they, they kind of keep their fingers crossed because they prayed a prayer and they meant what they prayed but they've not become a follower of God. They're not sure they want that He wants them. Imagine that sense of insecurity in the heart of an individual who for fear of an eternity without God would pray to receive Jesus but would fail to become a follower of him. So the scripture contrasts for us the difference between those who follow God and those who do not. And he says, this is the things that those who do not know God continually seek after. And this is what drives the, the, the decisions of their life. But for you, saints of God, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Interestingly enough, in 1 John chapter 2, uh, John says to the church, he says, love not the world. Neither the things in the world. If, you, if, you love, if, if your love is for the world and the things in the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Right. The Lord wants to elevate your spiritual sight. We live in the earth. 50, 60, 70, 80... 90 years if we, if we are blessed with long life. And believe me, I understand that whenever five days a week the alarm goes off at six in the morning, we're up and we're hustling and bustling about our day to get to the office or get, to get to the workplace or, 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 or to move through and navigate the day to, to bring provision to the house and, and life and, and substance to the family, that it is easy to allow that to, for us to begin to think that that is our source. And for us to begin to think that that is our emphasis and for us to begin to think that that is our priority because it is consuming the majority of our time. So it becomes a disciplined disciples. We love that word, don't we? 
as disciples, as followers of God, it becomes a discipline then to put all of that in its appropriate perspective and understand and remind ourselves that everything good that we have came from Him and He opened those doors and provided those blessings and He is our source and if that blessing ceases to exist, it's because He's opening a door for greater blessing in my life. You should grab that. Saw that little faith arm, just reach up and take that one, huh? So he says, your heavenly father knows what you have need of. So when you contrast the values of those who follow God against the values of those who do not, you, you run into this reminder, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first. Seek somebody write first in your in your notes. Somebody just just inscribe that somewhere up on your thinking and 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 remind yourself of first things for believers. First things are different for believers than they are for those who do not know God. First things is the awareness of his presence when your eyes open in the morning. First things, a reminder of his love for you the moment that you step into circumstances that, that, uh, that seem difficult or, or that seem uh, fear, fearful. We can have two responses in fearful times. We can say, God, I know that you are faithful over me and that you will lead me through this valley just like you have led me every other time in my life. Or we can be the kind of individual that puts our hands up over our head and say, oh God, what are you doing to me? Seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus said in Luke, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Does that not speak to this value system that we hold as believers? That our first attention is not drawn to what, what we need, but actually our first attention is drawn to seeking Him and then finding out from Him perhaps what others need. As we become joints of supply in the body of Christ and, and members of the body of Christ in the earth, that we would begin to lift up our eyes and we would begin to see what He sees and respond to life around us according to the perspective of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Help me, let me remind you that we are seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We do not look at life with horizontal perspective. We look at life as one who is seated above. I love the Holy Spirit for reminding me of that continually. Wait a minute. You see more than you as believers see more than the average individual. They're like, why aren't you falling apart right now? Because there's nothing to fall apart about. What? There's nothing to, no, there's nothing to fall apart about. He is king. And I'm submitted under his authority and I'm living under the domain of his blessing and his care. He's my king. If anyone will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Uh, it was a very bold statement that Jesus made in, 
in John chapter 12, anyone who loves his life will lose it. Listen, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you of, of your value system. Anyone who loves his life will lose it, but anyone who will hate his life for mine's sake. In other words, yeah, this is what I, it's continually my prayer. Lord, these are the things that I would like to see happen, but Lord, you know better than I do what needs to happen. And if what I'm seeing and what I'm even asking for and praying for is not what needs to happen, then would you change my perspective and don't answer my prayer? Don't give me what I think I want. If what I think I want is not what is best for me, you know best. Have you ever asked the Lord that? Would you be so bold as to say to the Lord, if my prayer is selfish in its direction, please don't answer my prayer. Change my heart. Don't answer my prayer. Change my heart. Don't give me what I want. Change my thinking. The one thing that I don't want to be before the Lord is a spoiled child who stomps his foot and says, God, I want this. Doesn't produce anything good. He knows you better than you know yourself. So I want you to consider the promises of God to those who follow him. Just listen to this. He said, all these things will be added to you. Food, clothing, shelter. Practical needs. What does it look like if you become the, in, the kind of individual who can absolutely, unequivocally trust God for the practical things? No fear. What does life look like for you if you become an individual who can implicitly trust God to take care of your needs and suddenly your needs are not in the front of your mind but the, the desire of God for your life, the purposes of God for your life, the plans of God, the way that He wired you and the way that He made you so that you actually become in the body of Christ and in the kingdom of God and in the earth where you live a joint that supplies and a vessel through which He can flow. I'm reminded, um, there, were some, there were some days in the, in the life of Church of Living Water in years past where finances were really tight and the economy was really bad. And as uh, Bishop Halverson was our pastor in those days and I was his associate and I just remember sitting in the office and I remember him coming in and I remember the bookkeeper being wide-eyed and all the bills being laid out against the balance sheet and she would carry them in and lay them on his desk and he would say, go on and close the door. And he would spend a few minutes in prayer. And he would come back with all that and he would lay it on her desk and he would have a stack, take care of this, hold this. If God wants us here tomorrow, we'll be here tomorrow. And then he would say, don't talk about this to anyone. You only talk about this to him. It's his deal. It's his church. It's his problem. What does your life look like if you get to the point that whenever you are in that circumstance, you lay everything before the Lord and you say, God, you've got a problem. Because you made a promise to me and I'm in covenant with you 
and I'm being faithful to the covenant to the best of my insufficient ability, but the Bible tells me that where I am short, Jesus makes up the difference, you've got a problem. And I know that if you have a problem, Lord, you have a solution. I'm waiting patiently on your solution. I'm not going to lose sleep over it. My father was just that kind of man. He trusted God implicitly. He, he never worried about things he should have worried about, much less things that he shouldn't. If there was anything to worry about, he didn't worry about it. And I remember my mom coming to him in times that were really tight, and there was a, there was a point in time where, where the car payment was behind and, and they were struggling, and I remember overhearing the conversation. They didn't live that stuff in front of us as kids, but I was old enough and smart enough to hear and know what was going on. And I heard my mother say, Clayton, if we don't make the car payment, they're going to come and get the car. He said, let them. I'll get another one. He said to my, my mom's name, Geneva. He said, Geneva, they don't want that car. They want the payment. So he said, you call them and tell them. We'll get it there as soon as we can. And he just go to bed and he starts snoring. <laughs> and my mom would be going, they're going to come and get the car. They never came and got the car. He made the payment. He got it caught at. God blessed, met needs. What does your life look like if your trust level raises to the point that you can trust God implicitly for everything that you need and you can become fearless in the kingdom? John 3, 3 John says this in second chapter, or second verse, I'm sorry, prosper. He said, I would that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Second Peter, he was so bold to say, I, I, I want you to have all things, all things that pertain to life and godliness. I would that you have all things that pertain to life and godliness. John 10, 10. He said, I would that they ha I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. If you would take those four passages of Scripture that I just read to you, and if you would meditate on them for the next month, and just let that be the point of your meditation and your prayer, it'll change your life. 